Hello and welcome to the Access of Space Defense and Security podcast. I'm Omkar Nikam, your host for this episode. In this podcast, we explore the latest developments and trends in the fields of space exploration, defense technology, and national security. Each episode features insightful interviews with experts and industry leaders who share their perspectives on a wide range of topics, including the latest advances in satellite technology, space exploration missions, military defense strategies, cybersecurity, and more. Whether you are a space enthusiast, a military professional, or someone interested in the latest innovation in technology and security, this podcast has something for you. Join us as we delve into the cutting-edge research breakthroughs that are shaping the future of space defense and security. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to episode 45 and 46 on identified aerial phenomena and civil military affairs. This topic that we are having today on the episode is very different than what we have discussed previously in other episodes. Uh, previous episodes were more about uh, tactical military utilities, uh, espionage in the space industry, as well as uh, several aspects of military satellites. Uh, but this topic is a little more actually it involves a lot of civil perspective as well. So, without any delay, I would like to welcome uh, Marek Posad. Hi, Marek. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for your time. I've been uh, very much uh, curious to have you on the podcast because uh, the moment you mention UAPs, it's 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 a completely different domain, I would say, uh, for our audience. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much again for your time. So before taking a jump into the topic, uh, can you provide a brief overview about yourself, your background, and how did you end up being an expert in this domain? So I, I'm a military sociologist by training, and so like there's two areas of research that I primarily have focused on at RAND. The first looks at mis- and disinformation falsehoods, particularly online, and um, I did work on countering ele- foreign election interference in the 2020 U.S. presidential election, which really focused on falsehoods that can kind of emerge and circulate online. The other area looks at civil military relations as it relates to how the US military and other militaries around the world interface with the broader civilian society that it's it's essentially um, a part of. And so these two kind of come together with this interesting topic related to uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon because there's a lot of falsehoods, in some cases, conspiracy theories circulating about UAPs. And a lot of it has is located at the intersection of civil military relations. And so perceptions that there are cover-ups and where the sourcing of these UAPs come from. And so at RAND, I um I proposed an internally funded study that essentially uh tried to ask simple question: where are civilians claiming they see UAPs over time? And so what we essentially did was a research project that looked at essentially a, a geographic analysis to figure out where are people actually reporting that they see something that they can't readily identify. Okay. Interesting. That's uh, that's a very interesting uh, perspective. And uh, I hope you keep on contributing to this uh, research and we see more and more developments through this. Uh, so yeah, proceeding ahead, uh, because we have a very broad range of audience, I'm pretty sure people from the defense side uh, of the podcast, people who listen consistently from the defense audience, especially, I believe they're very much aware about UAPs. Uh, but this question is basically for the, you know, the other people uh, from the space security domain. 
so what are unidentified aerial phenomena that is uap and why have they garnered so much attention in recent years so there's a lot of different definitions for uaps i mean they, and some so call them ufos some call them anomal anomalous phenomenon um the definition we kind of used for our research was uh, identify unidentified aerial phenomena term and we essentially clearly define it as anything in the sky that cannot be readily identified by the observer. And I think that's important because being readily identified is going to be different if you're a Navy pilot versus a civilian working outside in rural Oklahoma. And so I think one thing that gets back at the civil military issue is how readily a identified something flying in the sky is it's going to be very different if it's if it's a civilian versus a a professionally trained service member and i think in our research we're really interested in the general public for the most part um and so we're looking at what are people saying they see in the sky that they don't really know what it is it would cause them enough concern to actually report it to some type of external um, entity um in this case in our research it was a national ufo reporting center <laughs> okay and uh, you know, just I would say a little bit proceeding ahead, how do UAP sightings uh, impact the military readiness and defense capabilities? Because you know we had seen some of the cases uh, in the UFO domain as well. You know, uh, a lot which actually end up as in hoax and all. Uh, but regarding UAPs, you know, it's it's more related to security. So, what is your uh, perspective on its impact on military and defense capabilities? So I think there's at least two areas that catch my eye here. The first is I, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about UAPs, and I think it can in some cases undermine a healthy civil military relationship. Um, okay. I, I didn't I didn't actually answer your your question earlier about why does this garner so much attention. And in our report, we actually show that the number of reports kind of go up and down over time. And I would suspect that probably in during the pandemic, you have a lot of people kind of cooped up at home and there's probably much more, you know, this is kind of can be an interesting topic, particularly if you tie it to extra trust, the prospect of extraterrestrials. And so as a result, you know, you know, there can be a lot of conspiracy theories that can emerge. And those can take a really kind of darker turn when it becomes anti-government in nature. Um, and particularly if there's this belief that there's this massive cover-up or this, there's this kind of, you know, um, you know, secret military uh, industrial like you know, complex that's trying to hide something when in reality, it, it what 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 is flying in the sky is, is not actually something that's being hidden. In, in some cases, it could just be a balloon or a satellite or a star or whatnot. Um, I also think that there is impact for the need to recognize emerging and potential threats from the homeland or from our adversaries. And I think one, one area of concern is um, that we talk about in the report is that more people are just flying stuff in the sky. And so there's more opportunities yes. now and in the future for, for potential threats to be there. Um, it, it could be surveillance drones. It could be um, terrorist activity. And we want the public to be reporting this stuff if they can't readily identify it. Um, and, and, and that's an area where I think for readiness and defense capabilities, we really need to be concerned of is it's how much of it is a extraterrestrial threat, which may or may not exist. I'm not an expert on yes. extraterrestrials, but there's a, I know for a fact, there's a ton of terrestrial threats that we need to keep yes. our eye in the sky for. And I think that's kind of a big, my primary focus, um, uh, that, that should demand our attention in my humble opinion. Yes. 
and uh, I mean, just to add a layer onto this, because uh, you have provided some good insights. So can you provide an example of a UAP encounters that have involved primarily military personnel and what were their outcomes, uh, especially, you know, uh, given the fact that we, the world recently observed the Chinese balloon incident as well? Well, and, and I think this is a great point that you, you, you raise is that there's a lot of different types of encounters of things flying in the sky that one cannot yeah. readily like know what it is. And, and, and it, it's not aliens and it's not like extraterrestrial spaceships necessarily. Like we've seen this with the, the, the weather, balloon, the Chinese surveillance balloon where, yes. you know, you know, I did not see anyone forecasting that that actually would happen. And again, you see like a, a response um, to observing it flying across the country and then eventually shooting it down. Um, there's been reports in, in, the, in, in the past of flying black triangles that turned out to be what we call stealth fighters today. Um, and, and there's even situations like the constant tech program where, you know, the Air Force had secret squadrons of Soviet aircraft that were operated by American pilots. And, and, and the goal there was to essentially use them to sneak up on pilots during training exercises to eliminate the buck fever, so to speak, that shock that a pilot might have by seeing a Soviet MiG up close for the first time. That was something we did back, I believe, in the 80s, maybe even earlier. Um, and these are things, again, like they're not aliens, they're not extraterrestrials, but there's a lot of different things flying in the sky that are being used, particularly on the defense side, that, yes. um, you know, can, if you see it, you might be kind of startled or concerned. And, and a lot of it today is using for test and evaluation purposes, particularly in our military operations areas. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from, I would say, these incidents actually... The hamper, I would say, the security infrastructure, the way security operates, uh, especially, uh, I believe, it's for the national security more than, you know, international security, I would say, because uh, Chinese balloon was spotted in the United States. Of course, it, it includes the U.S. territories in that. So what potential national security concerns are associated with UAPs and how are these concerns being addressed from your perspective? Um you know, the big thing in our research was that there's this, this larger trend that we call the democratization of their power. Um, again, more people, companies, countries have access to the tools of air power than in the past. And like you or I can go on Amazon or walk into a local Costco warehouse and buy a drone and we could alter that drone and we could use it for surveillance purposes. We could use, we, there was a guy in Connecticut, for example, that put a firearm on a gun or, or I'm sorry, a firearm on a drone flew it up in the sky. Um, and the US has a lot of airspace. So we have 5.3 million yes. square miles of domestic airspace, 24 square mi million square miles of oceanic airspace. That's all, and there's only so many pennies in a dollar. And so one thing that we wanna make sure though is that people are actually reporting legitimate threats, not cooking up conspiracy theories. And in our research, when we looked at 24 plus years of reports to the National UFO Reporting Center, which is a data source that has a lot of limitations that we are very clear about, but it is a longitudinal data set that essentially crowdsources anything and everything being reported. Um, okay. One of the best predictors was people who are living near what they, what's called military operations areas. Essentially, it's places where they conduct training exercises, they might test and evaluate various types of equipment, and that stuff's not necessarily near major military installations in the U.S. There's one 
uh, off the coast, coast of Sheboygan, Wisconsin. There's one in, in, in the western part of Iowa. And so if we're testing equipment or we are testing new technology or just doing training exercises, it's not super healthy for civil military relations um, for people to be freaked out or start cooking up conspiracy theories about some type of like, you know, extraterrestrial visiting when it may just be a flare for military exercise. And on top of that, you know, there's concerns too that, you know, could we be having adversaries potentially using air power to start kind of collecting information? You know, the, the example I've used in the past is imagine like we have a network of Amazon drones delivering various types of things to people's homes in yes. the future. And the Chinese essentially make the surveillance drone look like an Amazon delivery drone. We want the public to say that seems kind of drone seems to be kind of acting bizarre relative to what I've seen in my neighborhood and reporting it to some. Um, and those are the kinds of risks I think we're going to see with the democratization of air power going forward. And there's probably going to need to be a more public engagement and a response to start trying to kind of essentially get a handle on where these risks might be emerging. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a very uh, insightful example, I would say. Uh, the Amazon drone that you mentioned. And, you know, just uh, before moving ahead on the cooperative effort, this is just out of a personal curiosity that I'm asking. So have you personally uh, spotted or, you know, engaged uh, in the uh, sightings of UAPs? I mean, I, I think we all have, right? And again, I, I think the, the key here is that UAPs don't equal extraterrestrials. And I'll give you an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last yes. night, my newborn son, my infant son was awakened uh, by a low flying plane that was flying over our house. Um, my suspicion was it's probably going to Andrews Air Force Base in Maryland. Um, I, yes. I don't really know what that was. And I looked up and I can't really tell what it was. Um, so in that case, I couldn't identify what it was. And when I looked All up right, and I to okay. see what, what, what planes are flying, there was nothing showing up. I can tell you right yes. now, that's not an extraterrestrial. That was probably a military aircraft. That's not like they're not just disclosing like publicly, you know, the flight plans. But I think I think yes. that's one thing to take away is that there's a lot of yeah. like UAP sightings. I think we all think it. We just don't know what it is. We don't have the proper information or knowledge. And again, it's not an alien. It's probably not an extraterrestrial. I mean, I want to be clear. I'm not an expert on that stuff, so I can't speak to that. But the vast majority of my working hypothesis is that these are terrestrial phenomena. And if there's yes. an extraterrestrial component, that's up to NASA and others to kind of address. But we want to separate that out from what the majority of the potential threats and risks and concerns and even unconcerned you know, not, uh, sightings that aren't concerning out that are flying, which are are, are sourced from trust or basically coming from terrestrial sources, so to speak. Interesting, yeah. So yeah, this is this is a clear definition now that you mentioned about. I mean, we all have spotted somewhere or the other. Even I have spotted, maybe, you know, I'm just, I'm just not recalling now the incident. But, you know, I think as the definition gets uh, much more clearer in my mind, uh, I might be able to report it. <laughs> well, and, 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 and just a, as a follow-up to that, you know, in our finding, we our original hypothesis was different to military yeah. installations. We, we thought, like, there's a lot of different activities that occur around installations, people may not know it. That actually yes. wasn't a, a consistent predictor. Um, the predictor was these MOAs, which a lot of people don't know that they are living near or traveling under or around. Um, and, you know, there are military operations areas above Jamaica, Vermont, Storm Lake, Iowa, 
as I mentioned, off the coast of Sheboygan, Wisconsin. And if you look at it, yes. they, they rarely are creating new, they're called MOAs, but what, what they do do is they might adjust the sizes. And when they do, there's usually public um, notice about this. I, I don't think a lot of the public are actually like reading these things, but you'll see them online. And they'll talk about some of, some of these, these MOAs, A, they're not always in, are, are, they're not always active. And B, people don't always know that they're when they are active. And C, yes. they can actually, the activities can get sometimes quite low, like a few hundred feet above ground level. So can you imagine driving through uh, underneath a MOA at night in, in you know, Jamaica, Vermont, and then you start seeing maybe just a flare or two from a military exercise that's a, you know, 500 feet above ground level. I mean, a civilian who doesn't know anything about the military, that, that might freak you out. And I think, you yes. know, those are the things that are, are, are kind of concerning to me as a sociologist is do civilians understand what's going on and why? And I think we can go a long way in bringing down the temperature by just having yes. better communication. Yes. And uh, I mean, this this is actually much more, uh, this question is much more, I would say, uh, international perspective. So are there international implications or cooperative efforts regarding UAP investigations between different countries military and defense agencies? I, I think the biggest issue is legitimate threat detection. Um, um, and like I mentioned before, UAPs don't equal aliens. And in fact, you know, probably the, we need to prioritize threats. And I'm not saying there yes. are, or not, are not threats from other planets and outside extraterrestrials, but I am saying that in, in the spectrum of threats we got to prioritize, I am very confident that there are terrestrial threats that exist in this world. And by, by terrestrial threats, I mean like uh, foreign, um, foreign adversaries, domestic terrorists, you name it. And I think one thing that we need to do is having kind of a system that focuses on collecting quality data so we can prioritize the terrestrial threat. And by the way, if one is interested in the extraterrestrial threat, separating out the terrestrial and the extraterrestrial will, will, will essentially get you to the same outcome. But I do think that from a, from a international implications is the degree of, because of this democratization of air power, um, attribution of who's doing what, because if so many people have access to the tools of air power, it's going to be more difficult. And it's going to lead to a rise in espionage, a, lot, a rise to threats from terrorism, and a, and a rise yes. to threats of, 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 of potential state actors and being involved. I mean, you see this with Ukraine, right? The use of drones are, are becoming an important tool, particularly um, amongst uh, civilians. And so those are the things we need to cooperate on to collect information to figure out where the threats are coming from and why. Um, and I think they can go a long way in terms of mitigating essentially the risks and threats coming from the democratization of air power. Interesting. And uh, it is at a very good point you mentioned about espionage. Uh, I mean, just proceeding ahead because uh, ahead of this, we'll be discussing more about uh, civil affairs. Uh, so just to, you know, kind of briefly uh, to touch upon this point, I believe these activities are carried out as a part of espionage ring. So what are your, I mean, thoughts and can you provide us, you know, I would, I would say a little bit uh, perspective on the relation of UAPs and espionage in a, in a brief manner. I mean, we don't have to take a deep dive, of course. Oh, no. I mean, I think, I think there's always the issue of collecting, you know, image or video intelligence, right? And also yes. the issue of, of signal intelligence, intercepting various types of signals. Um, the truth of the matter is, 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 you know, drones are getting smaller 
and the the, sig yes. the sensing capabilities are improving. And so you don't need to have this massive predator drone flying around uh, above your house to collect information. You know, in the future, what we might start seeing is drones that look like bugs, micro drones. Yes. And those are the kinds of things where if it looks suspicious and odd and it's really small and tiny to see, it could collect a lot of information and for a longer period of time without people knowing. And when you see something, we want individuals reporting suspicious activity in the future because we want to be able to essentially crowdsource where our adversaries might be trying to deploy these capabilities. And that's where you get the UAP, you move the UAP issue away from the extraterrestrial focus to more of the terrestrial risks, particularly with smaller uh, drones that more people have access to. I think there's going to be a lot of um, concerning trends and, and opportunities to kind of mitigate those risks going forward. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you find our podcast insightful, then please like, share and subscribe. See you in the next episode. Thank you.